company. This is Harriet Kenneth with Down to Earth. It's the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And it's Monday, June 8th. What a day. What a weekend we have had. Thank you to all of you who went out and demonstrated this past weekend. I just want to tell you that on behalf of everybody, thank you so much young people for keeping the momentum going, for not giving up, for keeping pushing to the end now that we're seeing constructive conversations around how the police relates to its community and to communities of color in particular. This is an important conversation to have as we move forward because we do not want to see a repeat of George Floyd, of Tamir Rice, of Breonna Taylor, nor of Ahmaud Arbery, and the list goes on, Trayvon Martin, uh, Eric Garner. We don't want to see, we don't want to see any more protests about I can't breathe. We don't want to see any more conversations or police firing rubber bullets at, at protesters, at peaceful protesters. As we saw this morning in a news report coming out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where a woman was pelted by rubber bullets to the extent where she's damaged. We don't want to see that. So the conversation around police reform has to happen. And I encourage members of police unions and police forces across the country to respond in kind. I expect you to respond peacefully and I expect you to accept that a review and reform has to take place. You may not be the ones who are guilty, but standing aside and watching other members of the force commit these brutal acts on innocent people, you're just as accountable. I read just this morning where the one police officer said in Southfield, Michigan, said that just standing by and watching it, you're just as bad as the person doing it. He said he's now requiring police officers as part of their accountability to respond to these incidents and to record them when they happen. So I'm suggesting to police officers nationwide that you don't intimidate your fellow officers who feel incumbent upon them to report acts of brutality against minorities and people of color. I'm a minority. I'm a person of color. I'm a woman of color. I could be your sister. I could be your niece. I could be your wife. I could be your girlfriend. I could be your boo thing. I could be your chick on the side. I could even be your side piece. But is it fair? Would you like to see a police officer kicking me and putting me in a chokehold? If what I just described makes you uncomfortable, it makes the rest of us uncomfortable. We are all very discomforted and very uh, placed in a position where police reform has got to happen. This movement with George Floyd has ignited the entire world. In other parts of the world, there is police brutality. So it's common across the spectrum. I mean, in the United Kingdom, they tore down a, a statue to a slave, a slave owner and slave trader that has been erected since the 1700s. It's only a matter of time before they continue to tear down uh, monuments that represent slavery because that's where it all started. In Spain, for instance, a lot of people migrated from Africa to, through Spain to get to the rest of Europe. They've been treated horribly. Africans who have migrated have been thrown into the sea to be eaten by sharks. Africans who try to go through Spain have been beaten and kicked and ravaged and pillaged, much like it happened 400 years ago. So we must look at these issues within a context of some reform has to take place. And whether we like it or not, whether we want to accept it or not, we in America tend to lead the world. What we do is what everybody else is going to follow. It is what it is. 
if they see police brutalizing civilians, then they're going to think it's okay. So if that's not the message we want to communicate, if we want to say that the police is part of the community and an active part of the community, that's fine. There are all kinds of conversations surrounding this. People are calling for the dismantling of the police department, defunding the police, abolishing the police, and so on. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. I believe that reform is, in, is imminent and has to take place right now. What I do believe is that the police must respond and they must change their tactics. That's what I do believe. They must change because it is not effective. We can't continue to do this. One of the things that has emerged out of this conversation is the fact that police officers oftentimes act in social capacities. Sometimes when they're called to domestic violence scenes, for instance, I'll just use that as the best scenario I can think of. That's one of the best scenarios. They end up counseling people. <laughs> they end up referring people to social services. That's not the job of the police. That's the job of social workers. What that tells us is that cities around the country have cut out budgets for social programs. When you took money out of school budgets, when you took money out of providing after-school care for children, when you took money out of providing social workers in schools, when you took money out of providing for nurses in schools and nurses and healthcare centers, what you have is violence. Violence is always going to be part of the human spectrum. When people have poverty, they are frustrated, they're going to be violent. Oftentimes, the police are called in as mediators and mitigators. That's not their job. Their job is to keep the peace and provide safety, right? So sometimes you get a rookie police officer, you know, you, he just got, this is his first job. What do you think he's going to do? Start kicking and firing shots and get trigger happy. Then you have the veteran police officer who is probably burnt out, tired, tired as hell, frustrated he can't get any further he's still a beat cop after 18 years still have to respond to this when he probably thought he would be police chief by now so he responds to a scene and he doesn't respond to it then you have people who come in with their own biases we have to ask the police what do what kind of training are people subjected to how do you train police officers are they given some kind of sensitivity training are they told how to deal with the community whom they police or do you just tell them that every person of color is a criminal? Or do you tell them to always respond with excessive force? These are the questions as we go forward. We can't, you, we, it, listen to me. It is not fair. I know a, lot, a number of your police officers who watch me. I know you do. And while I appreciate your support, we got to have this honest conversation. And I'm going to start it right here in my city. The next time there's a board of police commissioners meeting in Detroit, I am going. I want to hear from the police. And I want them to understand how we as citizens feel. I do not want to see another George Floyd, and I'm starting with it right here. I can't handle it. I saw in Seattle, Washington, just outside of Seattle, Washington, at, uh, did you all see the video circulating about a woman who was grabbed out of her car and placed in a chokehold by a police? He placed his knee on her neck to subdue her. What if that were me? That would have probably started a riot in my family. Expect that they're going to show up and demand some questions. Do you see what I'm saying? It cannot happen. And it has to stop. And it brings me to what I want to talk about today. We, we, we've got to continue to have this. And police reform is not something the police are now feeling well, you know. But, well, you kind of came up with force. So the people are responding likewise. The people are saying, 
push back. We don't want this. We don't want aggressive, excessive force. What we want is engagement. The way you policed 60 years ago is not the same dynamic to use today. And isn't it remarkable that agencies, government agencies are always slowest to respond to change? The room, they don't seem to do a good job of reading the room, right? You can't continue to respond with excessive force and think the community is not going to ask questions eventually. You can't just go into a scuffle and pull guns out blazing. This is not the wild, wild west. Maybe that was good 200 years ago. It doesn't work today. The assumption, yes, you have issues. Talk to your police chief. He's the one who goes to the mayor and says we need more money. But here is the conflict we're having. The police keep saying they need a bigger budget and a bigger budget. What does that bigger budget do? We're not seeing effective policing because crime is still high. In every one of these cities, crime is high. So who are you targeting? What crime are you fighting? When the people call the police, do the police come and solve the crime? So where is the increased budget that they continue to ask for? Where is it going? So we have some accountability issues that prior to, we kind of just left it up to the police to manage themselves. We said, okay, well, they're doing the job. So since you and I are not strapping on a gun and a bulletproof vest to go out every day, let them tell us what they need to do. Okay, well, we gave you the money. Now what? Crime is still high. Please tell me why violence against women is still high. The people who continue to rape children are still on the streets. Pedophiles are not getting imprisoned. They're not being pulled over. There's not enough, never even enough evidence to have a conviction. Murderers are still out on the streets in numbers. They're still killing people. So please tell me why crime is high despite all the investment that we've made, right? So we have issues and we're trying to solve them. But the police must accept community engagement. You are responsible to the community that you serve. There is systemic racism in the police force. We need to address that. We need to get that out because that is the root cause of the problem. The root cause of the problem is systemic racism within the police ranks. As long as systemic racism is, exists, this will continue to happen. We probably need to have a conversation about in communities of color, shouldn't the police officers look more like the community they serve? That's an effective conversation going forward. But we must have this. We cannot continue to kill people randomly. That's not effective policing. And I feel that that's where the conversation needs to go. And the police needs to be open to these suggestions. And you need to accept it. Because you're not law and order. You're not the ultimate God. You're not God. You don't mandate the peace. In fact, you are disturbing the peace right now. The very peace you're supposed to protect. You are disturbing it because now we all feel uncomfortable. We all feel profiled and we all feel as if there's a target on my back. I don't want to encounter with the police going forward. I don't want to. No, I, I don't trust it anymore. Not when I saw them pull a woman out of her car and put a chokehold on her. I do not want to have that encounter. Do you see what I'm saying? That's how negative my own perception of the police force has become. And I don't like it. And I don't think you should be comfortable with that going forward. I think the police needs to come forward and say to the community, look, we have some issues. We need your help. How can you help us to solve this? I think that's where they need to go. Just come forward and say, look, we got some issues. We're working on it. What do you suggest we do? It can't be that you need more money. 
tell us that based on what you're seeing when you go out, you need more social services. Okay, then we're going to have to re-examine that budget. But crime is still high. Crime is still high. And you're out there every day. So there is a disconnect, right? So we need some accountability. So, and this is probably going to sink you into another conversation that I'm going to have to have later is gender-based violence and violence against trans people. I, th I think we, we need to have some conversations around violence in our society. I am not by any means looking at utopia or thinking that at some point we're going to have this wonderful utopian idealistic society. No, no, I'm, I'm, I don't believe that. But I believe that there has to come a point where dignity and respect is inculcated into the training of police officers as they encounter members of the public including myself, right? So today I want to talk about creating equality for people who menstruate. Notice I said people who menstruate. When I saw the topic first in one of the periodicals that I read, I, I had to literally, and I'm giving myself a cross because I, I want to convey this with as much compassion as possible because it it, it impacted me in a way that I didn't expect it to. And I probably should present the material dispassionately without any level of personal, uh, personal intervention in it. But I find that I can't. I'm, at the end of the day, I'm still a human being. I'm not some talking head on, on, on TV who just mouth off and espouses things without any form of accountability to myself and to the people around me and to my community or even to people who are members of the public. I simply can't do that. But there was a conversation circulating on Twitter that I came across on Saturday where author J.K. Rowling was literally trashed because a, a, a conversation had erupted around people who menstruate. And the conversation was about for people, 1.8 billion people worldwide still menstruate. And during the pandemic, many were in situations that they were severely confined, but they still menstruated. What happens to them? And J.K. Rowling apparently said that, well, people who menstruate are largely women and that and people trashed her. So people who transgender is a reality of our time. So trans women and they're trans men. So I had to go myself figure out, well, who, who are you referring to as people who menstruate? And uh, one person said, well, people who have a cervix and people with a vagina. So I'm not offending anyone, but that's the, the, the critical emphasis there. So then I had to ask the qu natural question out of that was, well, what about the people who are born as women but who later socially identify as men. And I, this is what I discovered. And I'm just going to say this. I wish I had known this much. I wish I had, this had been explained to me or I had been aware of it because I would have started talking about this from earlier. Women, uh, people who, I should say this, people who are born as women. See, I started off because the assumption is that's all the conversation. So don't judge me. Don't assume that, you know, I am taking a side or anything. No, I'm not. I'm trying to place myself in, a comp in as complicated an issue as gender biases, right? In as complicated an issue as gender and how people identify themselves. This is a complicated conversation that we're all trying to understand. So I need your level of empathy and I need you to tell me what your issues are so I can help 
distribute the information and they distribute correct and accurate information. So let me get this straight. People who are born as women still menstruate even when they turn to identifying as men. They still, there are some issues there that I never thought of before. It just never occurred to me to think of. So even if they're taking hormones and so on, over you know, they're still dressed like a man, but they're still going to have periods. What happens to them? They face tremendous biases in their communities. You know, the pandemic caused us all to lose jobs and people had to perhaps go back home to families where they were not received. And in close confines, here you are identifying as a man and so on. So that means you acted out and then you're still having a period. Can you imagine what it must be like? Many of these folks were beaten in the communities where they live around the world, not just here, but around the world. Recently in America, we saw where one trans woman was beaten by her entire community, it was circulating on Instagram. It's painful to watch. It's very, very painful. Listen to me very carefully. We need to be more, <coughs> excuse me, more empathetic. We need to try to understand people, meet them at the point of their need. Isn't that what this is about? Being human is about? So what if you don't agree? So what if your opinion of who is a woman is different from what they say they are? We need to be empathetic, insert yourself in that role. I have children. If one of my children were to come to me and say they have a conflict and they're trying to work through what they believe they should be, am I going to tell my child, you can't live with me, I don't want to have anything to do with you and put them out? Am I going to ignore them and ignore their needs? My first instinct is to put my arms around there and say, come here, come to mommy. Tell me what it is. How can I help you? Do you see what I'm saying? And for people who menstruate, it's anybody who has a vagina and has a cervix. Those, that's the apparatus, the apparatus that is required to conduct menstruation. So even for those folks, they are especially at risk. And let's just be clear that what we accept widely in America, and I don't even know if it's widely because in Detroit, they had turned off water on people. So people who had were having uh, periods, how were they washing their hands? When the pandemic hit, they decided to change that conversation because they wanted to make sure that people could wash their hands because they were telling us, you need to wash your hands. So what about people who identify as men and whom still have to have periods, but due to the pandemic and job loss and economic losses had to go back home? What happens to those people? How do they have access to sanitation? You realize that they have to go and buy pads and tampons, looking like a man, but going to buy pads and tampons. Which bathroom do they use when they're out? Now you understand why they wanted neutral bathrooms so they wouldn't feel judged, so they wouldn't feel attacked publicly. We're all human. Have you never gone out publicly and need to use the bathroom? Lucky you, you can go into male or female based on who you are. But what about someone who is in the middle? People, these things happen. We, we, yes, God created man and woman for the perpetuation of humanity. But there comes along someone who isn't even sure if or who is masculine and feminine at the same time. They were born looking like this, but they identify 
as masculine because for whatever reason can we be empathetic i feel some sort of affinity for this because i feel as if access to I, I, it's some of the things we take for granted like you know where you live and so on when i was growing up periods were just periods that was a taboo subject because it was only discussed amongst girls kind of thing but we never had lack of access to uh, menstruation materials like pads and tampons and access to running water and safe spaces to conduct your sanitation and your hygiene do you see when i was growing up the taboo was really about having periods and not discussing it in front of boys because that was strictly confined to be a girl subject now in today's world we continue to have these conversations but the conversation is it, it surrounds safe access to menstruation materials look at this statistic over 500 million people who menstruate in the world do not have access to menstruation materials most over 500 million people do not have safe access to toilets soaps water and private spaces it's it's like I read a report that I read a story at the start of the pandemic when uh, I often wonder it's something that you don't think about till it happens yeah and I was reading the story and it kind of ignited me to start thinking what happens to people to women who are arrested while they're having periods because you don't think about stuff like that and one woman said that she was saying that when she was arrested and when you're taken to the Wayne County Jail, you're taken to the county jail or whatever, people are having periods. And I was like, whoa, you know, how, how does that work? I think sometimes maybe the way criminality and policing and uh, how to house people was set up was that women would never have issues so it was always they were set up for male and how men don't have periods but what about women who have periods and end up in jail and so on how are they processed while they're having a period we still have to maintain some form of human dignity even so what about people who are transgender who identify as male but they were born with a vagina and a cervix they still have periods how how are they treated this is an important conversation to have because we've never we don't address the topic because it's taboo but nowadays I think most of us don't address the topic because we don't have enough information we don't know enough so I went and did some research and I am going to confess that I recently learned I didn't know this that people who are born as women with a vagina cervix and who identify as men still have periods and they still have periods and still have to conduct themselves in a society that views them based on how they identify themselves. But if they go out in public and they're having periods, which bathroom do they go to use when they have to change a tampon or change a pad? There are all kinds of conversations around the issues that people who are born as men and who want to identify as women, sometimes in order to feminize themselves, will walk around and wear a pad. How do they, how are they perceived and so on? guys let's just be clear we're human and i'm i'm stressing that because i think i think what we have done is that we have put a black and white mark on the issue like it, it can only be it viewed in these confines and in these contexts we're finding that that's not necessarily true 
and that what we deem factual changes over time. We have to adapt to the situation we're in. For instance, 50 years ago, or in the 70s, crime was high, so we needed more police. We needed more boots on the ground, more policing. So we gave the police more money to, put, to hire more people. Maybe at that time they felt that they needed to be aggressive. They always felt like they needed to be aggressive. But now, police are killing more people. I read a recent report on the Washington Post that says the police still kill 1,000 people a year. Do you see what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is in much the same way, reform is needed within the police. Reform is needed here. Reform is needed for us to understand that there are individuals, there are people, human beings, who still have issues and we still must address these issues. There are women and girls and there are people who are having periods in the world who do not have access to running water despite a pandemic. There is a pandemic where you can't touch anything, you can't do anything, but they still don't have access to safe water. We used to think that this was a problem that happened in other parts of the world, but it happened in Flint and it happened in Detroit, Michigan, where they turned the water off. The city turned the water off. How were people supposed to flush their bloody toilets after using it? You couldn't keep it on for $5 a month. Water is a free national resource. It's not like you have to go in the ground and mine the water like oil. The water is out there for all of us to enjoy. And the city of Detroit and the city of Flint turned the water off on their people. It makes you, and here, especially here in Detroit, we have a huge trans community. What if their water was turned, some of them who are residents of the city, what if their water was turned off? What happens? What happens to that? Can we be human? I think we've lost our humanity here and it is evident in the ways in which we conduct ourselves and it's evident in our perceptions. I, I was, I, I too, when I became aware of this issue, I had to say, so what is the issue? What do you want us to know? And I'm asking the community, I'm asking the trans community, come forward, tweet me. Let me know, what, what is it that you want us to know? What it, where are we failing? Enlighten us, tell us what your issues are so we can know how to navigate. What is comfortable for you to talk about, for you to discuss? What is not? Tell me, I wanna know. Tell me, I will come forward, because I don't know. Because I haven't walked in your shoes, I haven't walked in your skin, I don't know and I don't know how to identify. And I feel like we, we, there is a level there is a level of empathy and compassion that we need to display. And we must, as policymakers and as public policy initiatives continue throughout the world, they continue to marginalize communities all the time. If it's not a black community, if it's not a brown community, then it's now people who are identified sexually and who choose to or who, for whom gender identity is an issue. We look at it in pure black and white terms when it's not. It's a little bit more complex and complicated than that. Okay, so if it's complex and complicated, help us to understand your issues. But at the same time, we need to empathize. We need to be able to say, while I will never understand it, I accept it. That's the place where I had to come to. I will never understand it because I don't walk in it. 
but I accept it because you said so. Because you said so. Because you said that's my issue. I understand it. It's just like in a lot of ways you see a lot of uh, white, uh, prominent uh, white people are saying, I will never understand what it means to drive down the street with the police behind you with a blue light and feeling harassed or feeling threatened. But I, ex but I have to accept that that's what you say. And until we had broadened the, 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 the periscope for us to see and look through it through the lens of the periscope and look through it to see how different the issue feels when it lands on someone else until you literally put yourself in someone's shoe and walk around in it. It's very difficult to understand. And until then, even if you cannot understand it, just accept it. We've got to accept that. And this is what the crux of my conversation is this morning, is accepting the fact that people who menstruate are not just women and girls like myself. That there are people who identify as men, but who were born with a vagina, who identify as trans people. They menstruate. And for them, the same requirements that we ask of the community and the society to provide safe spaces, they need safe spaces too. They need sanitation, they need water, and they need access to menstruation materials. I believe that menstruation materials should be provided to people in high school and, and middle school and in elementary school. I believe that menstruation materials should be provided at those levels. I hear in, I've learned that in prison, well, when you're having a period, well, well, I believe that menstruation materials should be, it should not be privileged. It should be available. Access to sanitation, access to running water. We understand that in some countries of the world based on geography, water is an issue in certain dry arid areas of the world but in places where there are rivers and streams and, and lakes water shouldn't be an issue like we live in michigan we like to talk about the great lakes but why is the water why is water an issue in detroit why did it ever have to be an issue why turn the water off on people let them pay five dollars a month the water is free they have to go mine the electricity. I can see with that, but the water, that's the most common resource. Why is it not available? And I think in a lot of ways, we have to change our perception. We, we've, I've been saying this for years and I find that it is worth repeating. We have to say that human beings, if, the, if people are walking around looking like me and you, we're human, right? Well, we need to be humane. Just be a human. That shouldn't be hard, should it? Just be a human. In much the same way, the, it, this to me, lack of access to, to menstruation materials is a form of, of gender violence. It is. Because if someone comes to me who looks like a man probably taking testosterone but is still menstruating and come to me and say, do you have a pad? I need a pad. I'm going to give it to them and say, okay. I think we need to, are they, am I being human or should I just pontificate? This holy roller stuff has got to stop. 
doesn't it? it it's what promoted the racism it's what promoted Jim Crow it's what promoted this move to have equality we talk about equality but what do we mean by that equality for who this bias against trans people has got to stop people are people essentially and they choose to identify however they choose to identify leave them let them be why are we continuing to shut people off why are we continuing to let people feel as if they should be afraid to emerge as they are it like i said the common language that we should use is i may not understand it but i accept it i may not understand your plight i may not understand your identification issues and issues of identity as they are resident in you but i accept it these are people they're human beings just like you and i whatever community they come from it it happens in america but it happens in other countries even more so in communities across asia especially trans people are treated badly in some parts of the world they're beaten they're practically crucified in the streets i won't talk about some of the more homophobic societies there are in the world we have to evolve we have to change we have to adapt our perspectives and if we're going to create a society of equality then we must consider all the people who live in the society we must consider that there are people who are not going to fit our definition of right and wrong or our definition or moral standing my moral standing should not be your problem i should my views and values on life should not be a problem to my fellow human being i think that's where we missed it so what i believe i convey it but that doesn't mean that you have to accept it you don't have to but i still i still have a right to do that to express it right even though you don't accept it just like this conversation i'm having right now you may not agree with it you may not even understand it because you're like that that's an issue i can't even go there but you accept it that there are people right now who identify as trans and who are having periods because they have that's who they are it is what it is don't try to understand it don't try to break it down psychologically that's not my job that's not your job it's not my job to moral to moralize or demoralize or pontificate or postulate on what their moral outcomes should be it's not even my job to point tell them that they don't have a place in the kingdom of god that's not even true Jesus came to set the captive free that's the message of Christianity isn't it Well if Jesus loves everybody and God loves everybody what makes you think that God does not love the same human being who identifies as trans And if we're human why are we not helping them by making sure they have access to safe spaces Now I'm going to confess that if i'm in a restaurant or in a public space and i see a man coming out of the female bathroom 
I am going to be apprehensive because I would, the first thing I'm going to assume that's a man, he could be attacking me in a vulnerable place. This is why we have to get back to the table and start having some gender neutral bathrooms, don't you think? So that people who identify, whether they identify as male or female, they can have a safe space to go to the bathroom. We can do that. We are a large society and we are wealthy. This is a rich country. There is money in the bank. There is money everywhere to fulfill the needs of all the people in the society. Some people just want to have control of the money, so they give it to whom they want to give it to. That doesn't include me and you. So we're a wealthy society. We kid require. That's the first thing I'm going to ask for is gender-neutral bathrooms in public spaces. Well, we kind of sort of have one that says family. Make it gender-neutral. Family means, that means a father can go into the female, into the family bathroom and change his, his children's diapers. We can make that gender-neutral, can't we? Yes, I'm staying hydrated. I hope I don't look dehydrated. I drink a lot of water too much sometimes, but that's okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> so let's let's talk about this. And and I'm gonna ask those of you in the community out there, we need to start this conversation. Start telling us what your particular issues are. I think we need to just be humane. What if you have a child? Can I just put this out there? What if you have a child but you've been blind to their issues? right and and you they go away to college and when they go away to college they're empowered now they start walking in their truth and your child calls you and says when i come home from college i'm going to look different than when i left and when you ask for clarification and they tell you are you gonna throw your kid out I have a daughter, she's 17, she'll be 18 in a few weeks. I can't believe that. I cannot believe she's grown up. I'm still I'm still wondering what happened. I still am wondering. And she's going off to college, right? Now, when she calls me and she says, Mom, I'm coming home, but I'm coming home different, or I'm taking somebody home and it's going to be different than what you expect. What am I going to tell my daughter? That she can't come home? That's my kid. You see what I'm saying? Uh, grand rising, hey, right? Are we going to say no? We, we got to understand and be empathetic. And here's the thing with walking in your truth, right? Especially for trans people. Imagine a trans person of color. You already have racism breathing down your back. And now added to that, you've added another dilemma. You've added this added burden. Can you just imagine what it must be like? So you have no, no support from your family. They have thrown you out. They don't want to have anything to do with you. Very few family members even want to talk to you. So you have to turn to other people who identify as you for support. We've got, to, we've got to be more humane. We've got to understand that people are not going to be whom we want them to be. They're not going to speak like we do. And even while we don't understand it, 
can we just accept it? We have to accept that. It's amazing to me how somebody, you meet someone else from another culture. They speak a whole different language. They're dressed different and we don't want to accept it. But yet the white Europeans went to other people's countries and conquered them and invaded them so they could take their wealth and take it back to Europe. They're going to have a problem in Europe <laughs> when people wake up and realize that, wait a minute. This is where this whole racist thing originated from. They're going to have a problem in Europe. They're planned protests across the United Kingdom all day today. They're five hours ahead of us, so now it's 3 p.m. Don't expect the news media here to show it, because the news media here is not going to show that, much like the Arab Spring and so on, how they delayed broadcast. They're not going to show it. But expect that people, the worldwide, are going to say, well, Northern Europe is the originator of racism. They conquered brown and black people the world over. And created this racist structure that now results in George Floyd's death and Tamir Rice and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and countless others who are nameless but who nonetheless suffered. So expect that's going to be a problem in Europe in just a few. Because people are saying, well, this is the hotbed of it. This is where it started. And if you're going to fix something, you have to fix it from the root. You remember with Hitler? Well, when by the time Hitler came along... And the rest of the world recognized this was an evil. They didn't just go after the symptoms. They said, we've got to get the root out, so we've got to get Hitler out. <laughs> Look at the, re- the, the, the legacy today. You have white nationalists and armed militias in America thinking they're the only ones who have a right to show up at marches with guns. And black men show up at marches with guns. And they're tur- the guns are turned on them. You see now why we have to have conversation? So at the same time, that we're having this pandemic and we're having this systemic issues with racism. Here comes somebody who says, hello, I have a problem too. Can you help me? We see them all the time. Please, I'm asking you to stop making disparaging remarks about people who identify differently. Please let us try to be empathetic. Let us try to understand they're human just like you and I. Imagine what it must be like. The complexities are great and huge. And they're going to continue to educate us and tell us where they are. We might not, again, I might not understand it, but I accept it. That has got to be the place where we come to. And if we say we are human, just like we didn't understand why that white police officer put his neck on the neck of George Floyd. We accept that that's what he did, right? And we're holding him accountable. Well, let's hold ourselves accountable to the standard of being human. To the standard that while I may not understand your issue, while I can't navigate the various complexities of your humanity, but I am going to accept that that's your human expression of who you are. And I am going to accept it. Help me to understand you. So I reach out to my friends in the trans community. I am sorry that if I never displayed any sensitivity or understanding of your uh, perplexed issues and your complexities and the issues surrounding your ability to menstruate in safe spaces, I'm sorry, I didn't understand it. I accept it. Please help me to understand. I want to wrap my arms around you and apologize on behalf of the rest of us. We're just, you know, just put it down to we don't understand it. But I want to ask you, it is not your responsibility for how I deal with it. 
you should not be held responsible for how I feel about you. It's my responsibility to be human and to accept you right where you are. I hope this message has brought some clarity to the issues of for people who menstruate. We've got to change that language. We can't just say that women who menstruate and girls, because there are other people, we've we, we got to be a little bit more sensitive. And it doesn't sit with some of us over 50 and over 60 and over 70. It's a whole different world out there. We need to change. And we've got to change the language and thereby adjust our sensitivities. Thereby adjust the ways in which we communicate with these populations and thereby adjusting. Yes, we are responsible for our language. We are responsible for how we feel. I, they're not responsible. We are. They say, this is who I am. And they put it out there. It's now my responsibility to say, I don't understand it, but I accept it. A white person looks at me and they cannot understand what it feels like to be me. But they should accept it. I cannot understand how a white person feels, but I accept it. Acceptance goes a heck of a long way. My name is Harriet Kimmick. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of Down to Earth. Please share this message. You can find me on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook. Join my page on Facebook so we can continue to talk about the issues that matter. Support this podcast by going to anchorfm.com slash Harriet Kimmock and help us to keep this message going on the air. In the meantime, I invite you to buy my book, Through the Fire, in which I talk about violence against people. I guess you can see why I'm passionate about ending any form of violence and especially violence to marginalized communities. Women and trans folks are part of that community. So help me. We're sending copies of my book to shelters around the country. It's called Through the Fire. It's available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Please get your copy of Through the Fire. It helps us to continue spreading the message. Thank you so much, everybody. I really enjoy your company and the fact that you take time. I have some loyal viewers here. Thank you. Shout out to all of you. You continue to support me. You make a, fur, a girl feel good. You make a sister feel real good. Thank you so much, everybody. Now, stay safe. It's going to be hot today. It's going to be hot tomorrow. They say we're probably going to have a cyclone on Lake Superior Wednesday. And it is freaking the rest of us out. Like, uh, 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 2020. Can 2020 advance? Can it expedite and get out of here? I mean, this has just been the year from hell. I declare. <laughs> if it's not one thing, it's the other. Man, we're just getting used to one thing. And then here comes another and another. 2020 is proving to be the most challenging year for all of us globally. So make sure you stay safe. Still wear your masks. Still use your hand sanitizer. And as someone kindly said to me, girl, you're keeping hydrated. Dude, are you keeping hydrated? Still make sure you're continuing to drink water, maintain some distance around us. I was in Home Depot a couple of days ago. Yes, I love going to Home Depot. Stop. Don't judge me. <laughs> I'm like, people were out like, <laughs> home improvement. And, and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Social distancing, wear your masks. Stay safe, everybody, and stay, stay hydrated. Drink your water. Drink water. And to those in the trans community, thank you so much for your support. I love you all. Stay safe, everybody. Be blessed. Thanks so much, everybody. See you tomorrow.